Welcome to the BG Podcast, conversations at the intersection of business, community, and public policy from the Austin metro and around Texas. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com slash podcast and on iTunes and Google Play. Hello, this is AJ Bingham, CEO of the Bingham Group. We have on the show today returning guest Natasha Harper-Madison, now council member-elect Hey. Natasha Harper Madison of uh, City of Austin's District One. Welcome back to the show, Natasha. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, I think last time we spoke, and, and you were episode one for the BG podcast. Um, you hadn't announced the campaign yet. I know there had been talk, you know, in the in the murmuring, pub, murmuring, murmuring. Through, yeah, but nothing official. And you had spoken to us right. in capacity mm-hmm. uh, with the twelve with the East Twelfth Street Merchants Association. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and subsequently, you announced the launch of your campaign and. So it went, uh, went through general election, he made it through there into the runoff, and you won that with a very resounding percentage. Uh, yes, yes, I did, 72%. <laughs> 72%. I mean, I call that resounding. Someone say almost as the mandate. But well, yeah, you know, yeah. somebody said landslide. I don't yeah, know yeah, like that often, yeah. but I'll take you it. You retweet him, reshare him, that's, yeah. <laughs> so let's get into a little bit of your background, sure. leading up the diets for those who may not be familiar with you okay. post-campaign. Like, what brought you to the council dais? Um, you know, it's a it's a it's an interesting story. Uh, my small business development background is a large part of why I'm here. Um, I got into small business because I I grew up in the city of Austin on the east side, as a lot of folks in the city do right now. You know, we were we were short of everything basically: housing insecurity, food insecurity. Um, my mom, who did everything right, just never quite managed to break the cycle of poverty, you know, and so I've always known that tackling economic mobility and opportunity for folks existing in the margins was a top priority for me as an adult and, you know, moving through my formative experience, really just feeling the implications of not having enough and not having the opportunities be presented to you. Um, I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to transcend cyclical poverty. Um, but I always thought, and maybe because we didn't have any, um, I always thought money was the way out, you mm-hmm. know. And so I got into small business. I started my first business as a 19-year-old, really terrible employer. And I learned a lot along the way, including, you know, collaborative effort is key. You know, uh, you don't have to treat people like employees in order to be a good employer. Um, Let's work together. And so working together with the folks on East 12th Street, working together with the folks, you know, that I was um, advocating for by way of East Austin advocates really put me in a position to uh, adjust my thinking on how do you actually substantively affect change. Um, and I, uh, I had the health opportunity occur in 2014 where I was diagnosed with a late stage breast cancer that really helped me to shift my gears in the direction of more fulfilling, more long lasting community contributions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so wanting to affect policy has to do with, um, really wanting to see the city of Austin grow and change in a way that makes sense, that's considerate and that you know includes more people. Too many people are getting left behind as we continue to grow and change. You know, we're the, uh, the 11th largest city in the nation and you know we claim to have values that are deeply entrenched in diversity and inclusion and you know opportunity and access for everybody but we're not moving in that direction and if we don't turn the ship around now and get it right now i know that we'll never catch up and so i wanted to be a part of 
you know, putting together this policy that existed in perpetuity, really creating the protocol for mm-hmm. how does our city grow and change, but not leave folks behind. So yeah, that yeah. pushed me in this direction. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. you picked a, a perfect time to be on the council just with, you I think, think so? the, yeah, this last <laughs> week we had the announcement of the Apple camp, the, the new, newer Apple campus coming here, even though that's based in Williamson County, just north of Austin, mm-hmm. that's still going to have a lot of ripple effects within the you know the you know the Austin metro and the Austin community in terms of affordability and such. And I'll add to all the points you just raised too that a lot of people don't know that Austin, at least the last time we uh, last time I checked, was considered one of the more economically segregated, if not the most economically segregated. Um, city you know relative to its population right in the u.s right economically is, segregated and racially segregated yeah. and it's funny you should bring up uh you know the apple campus landing in williamson county and you know in district six that's what it looks like when not enough people are able to stay in the city center mm-hmm. you know folks move out to williamson county and down to hayes county and out to Bastrop County and to Taylor and to Maynard and to Buda and you know so mm-hmm. uh, if if we're looking at keeping folks here in the city and contributing to the tax base here in the city you know I'd say we're definitely talking about some of the stuff I want to address while I'm on the dais yeah mm-hmm. so let's get into your overall vision uh, as of now for District One and for those who aren't familiar with Austin's layout sure District One encompasses a lot of some of the, or some of the more I'd say some of the hottest if you will vibrant real estate um, markets in the city, mm-hmm. in the re- probably in the state. Right. Um, we're, you know, major corridors on the north part of East 7th Street. Mm-hmm. You have Houston Tilton University bordering there. You have East 11th Street, East 12th Street, mm-hmm. and parts of, uh, of Manor Road as well. Right. Those are all major commercial corridors developing. A lot MLK. Of ML- sorry, mm-hmm. MLK as well. You have a lot of major development, uh, commercial and residential going there, and then right. backfilling in those neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And so it, and it goes all the way out east to a little past 183. Right. right? East towards the ETJ territory. Mm-hmm. So out Which towards... Is extra- Extraterritorial extra jurisdiction. Sorry, I did familiar. the acronym thing. You'll learn. You'll learn. You'll learn the diet. So you'll get, your, you'll get your fair share of acronyms thrown at you, and you'll ask right. people to break them down. But well, so to, just to paint a picture, imagine you're headed out towards the Expo Center, so mm-hmm. that Loyola Decker Lane area, mm-hmm. out towards Hogeye. You know, Greengate Farms is out there. Rodeo. Yeah. Think the rodeo. The rodeo. Yeah. <laughs> going out in that direction, and then going you know, sort of uh, northeast to there, so to speak, uh, towards Maynard, um, southeast down towards uh, towards the airport, Del Valley area. Um, and then, you know, we bump right into 183, 290 area. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, D1 is 46 square miles. It's a massive district. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Almost 80,000 people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just getting to your, so all that being said, there's so much economic development in resident, in terms of actual businesses coming here and also mm-hmm. the, the real estate side. What, how does that play or what is your vision for the East side or for district one rather? And then how do those things fit into it as factors? Um, well, so I, I don't know that my vision necessarily is what's most important. You know, I'd say being really adept at sort of um, translating what's on the horizon mm-hmm. um, and some of the things that are coming up in the immediate future in 2019. Uh, Project Connect, uh, the Austin Strategic Mobility Plan, 
Uh, a lot of folks will remember a little thing called Code Next. May rest in peace. <laughs> There's going to be a I've redo. heard resurgence. I've heard a we, little bit of uh, some, gonna, some chatter about well, something coming. If, if we're going to have a comprehensive dialogue around, you know, what it looks like. You know, we just, we touched on economic and racial segregation. A lot of that has to do with, you know, there's it's historically relevant, you know, and a lot of that has to do with our inability to effectively distribute housing of all the types in all the parts of the city. Our land use code is going to directly affect what we can build and where we can build it. Mm-hmm. And so that to say, we're, we're going to have to revisit this land use code. It's a major part of the, of the puzzle that we're missing that's not making it so that we can do this right mm-hmm. um uh, the downtown puzzle the you know the, the, from a travel and tourism perspective we're, we're gonna have to talk about this convention center expansion um uh, what else what am i missing the corridor improvement program it's going to continue uh, a roadmap a roadmap and some real strategic planning from a programmatic standpoint for how do we spend this $250 million worth of affordable housing bond money. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are some big things that are on the horizon for sure in 2019. Um, And not just for District 1 residents, but for the city of Austin. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually mentioned too, all council members have a four-year term. So this is just... I'm, you know, I'm sure there'll be overarching uh, priorities and things that, right. that that pop up as we get, as the year develops. For sure. And you know, any policy priorities too. So you have the vision part, but any just kind of personal things you're looking to build on that really touch to the district. Sure. Uh, well, I mean, so truth be told, all of those things absolutely touch to the mm-hmm. district. You know, thinking as some of the with the project connect. Um, implications nine of the 12 lines are going to go directly through or absolutely directly impact district one um so that's us as a city uh, really recognizing that transportation infrastructure doesn't work in d1 and we have to get it right um the affordable housing component we really got to get it right you know we talk a lot about uh, the city transitioning we talk a lot about folks being displaced from the district but what we don't talk enough about is how we keep them there and how we get people back you Mm -hmm. know who who left because they couldn't afford to live here anymore we have to create more housing stock and we have to create housing that people can afford to live in and amenities that are close to the housing and make sure the affordable housing and the amenities are close to transportation corridors and you know we're gonna have to address schools of course you know there's a lot going on in that way so yeah so yeah just uh you smile no i I smile not so much that but just with austin you know know, with austin isd um you know recently probably the last two weeks they had some articles out just about um you know how to manage their budget shortfall deficit and potential school potential nothing's been confirmed but school closures and all those issues so yeah we're definitely watching that though well, so this is one of those areas where, you know, we really have to talk about collaborative effort where we don't continue to exist in silos where we're not willing to work with one another. We have to be passionate, you know, about our causes and, you know, um, but we don't have to be twins ideologically. We have to be able to work with everybody because mm-hmm. a lot of that is going to be how we work effectively with folks at the state level. The ledge is about to come up, you know, like who, yeah. how, how do we talk to those folks if we can't even talk to one another, you know, at the municipal level? So. And you're talking, when you say kind of those you know, local local level, you mean between the council and the school district and right. kind of metro. And folks, though, no, all, so, all, you know, at the local level, I mean, the school board has its own government. So while elected officials so while in theory, you know in practice and practicality uh, the city would work with AISD right 
they're told they don't have to work together. I mean, they presume they would, but they're totally different entities. With different, it would behoove us to work yes, together. <laughs> yes, and with, and with Capital Metro as well. And should mention Project Connect refers to a comprehensive plan, transit uh, multimodal mobility plan um, that was also in its. This would be its second iteration of one came out probably in 2014 that would look to address uh, you know high speed rail, contemplate a personal transit uh, kind of autonomous vehicles as well um, right. and traditional bus routes or dedicated lanes I know it's something that mm-hmm. has come up before too so commuter rail commuter light rail. rail bus rapid transit bus rapid transit light um, express bus and then you know just from for specifically my district we're talking about uh, 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 bus rapid transit light connecting to Tech Ridge and to Highland um, we're talking about bus rapid transit light on Parmer between Lake Line and Wild Horse Ranch um, connecting, you know, to Manor. And, you know, just I could go on and on because there's like I said, there's so many touch points that specifically affect District 1. And I'd like to say um, the city for all the ways in which the city, the ubiquitous city. <laughs> you, the city. <laughs> Me. Yeah. Well, I guess you got what, two weeks? Then, right. yeah, then get... you can, yeah, you're still elect. So, it's, so I'll, I'll go ahead and say you're still the, yeah. we are are starting to get it right in terms of the dissemination of information. So there are some really comprehensive maps um, on the city's website. And so if you really want to dive in deep into what exactly is going to be happening with some of these projects, Cap Metro and the city both have some pretty comprehensive resources, including, you know, if you're like me and you're a visual learner, I need to see a map. I want mm-hmm. to see what it looks like and have color coding. And so there's some of that good stuff to find on the city's website and on Cap Metro's website as well. Touching back on your district, because I also I, I skipped over a point a point that I think uh, is should be made that District One for the, again for those not familiar with Austin, it was historically the heart of Austin's Black community, African American right. community, right. Um, for a number of years. I mean, really, uh, the city in 1928 passed what's called the Master Plan, which you know shift shifted forcefully so uh, black black families who were then on the west side I-35. Areas like uh, Clarksville, east of what is now I-35, um, if they wanted to have homes power and sanitation, their kids would go to school. Right. And, you know, since then, and, and you know, I think what, what the 50s or so, Austin had had in place in the last iteration of council, a gentleman's agreement where you'd had one African, one black seat on council and then one Hispanic seat on council. Um, 10-1, when this new system came in, um, you know, six, four years ago, it drastically changed that. You look at the number of Hispanics now that occupy seats on the council mm-hmm. dice. Mm-hmm. Three, I know in the runoff you had a challenger who was Hispanic, and so just the opportunities that brought that this new representation, this program uh, system brings to the broader community, I think is important. But you know, you're coming into the council dice at a time when the Austin Metro itself, you know, these the Austin city proper, is losing its black population. Right. Um, you know, for I guess you've talked about related affordability. And particularly in the east side, in your district, right? There's say, there's a, a loss of the black population. And with right. that, I know there's there's a, you know you you worked in the heart of that East 12th Street, right. a loss of culture, and then just of you know the history of that and vibrancy of those neighborhoods and what they were. Right. Um, as the only African American and black person on the council, just you know what what. Um, you know, you will be the voice of those folks in 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 Austin, right? And no then, pressure. No pressure, but just <laughs> and and also, you know, for folks who are looking to move here, they look at who's leading the city, they look at who's talking for them, and obviously, you know, we're you know, I I, was, I should mention I'm African American. We're not a 
a monolith of people. Right. But we look to, you know, you're the person who's on the dais talking about issues or addressing issues that may come up that affect our community, whether on the business side or on the on the social policy side. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, just do you have any just thoughts on kind of just the overall that representation and how you look to, to do it really in terms of community engagement, right? Because a lot sure. of folks, we span a, um, even with the population loss, the black community in Austin spans economically. You have folks who, who, you know, blue collar working class folks, you have folks who are up, upper middle class, white collar professionals who live in Westlake and everywhere else, Terry, or Terry, not Westlake, cause that's not in Austin, Terrytown and those kind of areas, Pemberton Heights and mm-hmm. so on, Clarksville. And so, your take on representing it's on representing that swath of folks. Yeah. Um, well, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll take a few steps back. Um, you talked about the 1928 master plan. You talked about the gentleman's agreement. And we'll call those like some of the last vestiges of the, you know, segregationist history of Austin. Um, let's start talking about where we where we really started to get it right. So there's an area that surrounds that sort of, but yeah, call it the epicenter. You, you brought up East 12th Street. You know, it's in that in that area. It's called Sixth Square. Mm-hmm. The Sixth Square was the six square miles that constituted the African-American history, um, African-American, sorry, heritage cultural district. Uh, at some point, we as a city realized that there was an absolute need for the preservation of the six square, so much so that we have organizations whose sole purpose is to represent and preserve uh, the culture and heritage in that area. So it's called Six Square as well. It's called Six Square, yeah. you know, and, and there were some other organizations who have similar dedication. Um, and that to say, even given the changing demographic of the area, it will always historically remain the six square miles, you know? And so just sort of thinking about it in broader terms in that way, you know, along the campaign trail, I like to say, uh, you know, Austin's an old enough city to have made a lot of mistakes, but young enough to get it right, you know? And that's one of the things that we did when we started to get it right, when we started to recognize some of the issues that we have as a city with segregation and with, you know, uh, disparities in equity. Uh, And that's us making the right move. And I really think think, you know, I do, and I'm not bragging, but a resounding victory, a 72% victory says that the city of Austin absolutely believed that representation is key. It matters, you know, and that our council needs to be as diverse as our population. Um, and so sort of fast forwarding from there, um, I think, uh, I, Well, I don't think, I know, uh, especially because I'm privileged in that not only do I work in that sort of 12th Street area, but I live in that area. And so I get to see regularly, you know, take a really regular assessment of who's who, who are my neighbors. And it's a really diverse community. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be interesting to see the next round of data that we produce. So, you know, moving into this cycle, the data showed that the African-American population was declining. But now that our city is growing so rapidly and, you know, we get over 100 people moving here a day, we have to start to to calculate how many of those are people of African-American descent that Mm -hmm. are moving back to the district. Um, Not necessarily because they even understood the history of the district. No, they're transplants. They're transplants who identify the opportunity to live in a place that's rich culturally and, you know, really close to downtown and has, you know, a lot to offer in the way of commerce and community. So I, I... 
I, I certainly see things shifting again and us being conscientious about the shift and, you know, past, present, future is exactly how we're going to move forward in a way that just really makes the most sense for creating neighborhoods for neighbors and, you know, real intentional communities. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's actually a point out in terms of the, the black African-American community that's coming to Austin that I, I discussed with, uh, with Reverend Park, uh, Joseph Parker oh, yeah. uh, previously in a show just that there are a lot of folks who, you know, you think of all these tech companies and proportionally they're not the most diverse, but they're still bringing folks here from Bay Area, New York, or there's other cities are coming here. And like I've made friends that are probably been here less than two years and, you know, they're African American, very affluent and they want to buy a home and they want to buy a home or build a home on the east side. Right. Yeah. So it's a, it's a really interesting demographic shift. Uh, you know, this it's a demography. nuanced conversation. I think yeah. sometimes people make it simplify it too much. It's yeah. not as simple as, you know, as some folks make it. And but the beauty of it is we're talking about it. And so the more we have the dialogue, the more we inherently have to dig into the nuance of it and realize it's, you know, it's more robust than just this flat sort of, you know, the black population is dead. That's not true. (laughs) It's absolutely not true. And I think the people that showed up in District 1 and and voted for me to to represent them, which, by the way, I take as a very serious responsibility. Um, I think they, they voted with their, you know, with their hearts and with their moral compass and Mm -hmm. and they see the writing on the wall as well they see that you know we have always been here we're always going to be here and there will naturally be some sort of cyclical shifts but as a city you know who's thriving and you know we're boomtown right now you know we really are going to get it right i'm really excited to work with this new council i think there are a lot of folks who are moving in the direction of progress and innovation for how we develop as a city and i can't wait to work with them it's going to be awesome and then come back to your election. So, sure. what was just? Can you give us some advice? Because you you didn't come from a political like world or background like the, the the traditional quote unquote route. One would you know you'd look for folks who are looking to run for office. I mean, you maybe the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, you know, and just candidly, right from the yeah. campaign, you weren't seen as a front runner, right? You were grassroots. You and actually your the the your challenger and the runoff are both seen as grassroots grassroots candidates mm-hmm. and. Having known you for a number of years from, you know, just business owner to your work with East 12th Street to this and seeing that that path, I know it. But what, I mean, overall, what advice would you give folks who are looking to run? Because I think some people get, get caught sometimes in, in thinking, well, I can't do it because of this. And not just in your race. I mean, there's some other, you know, your your new council, your new uh, council mate, council mm-hmm. member, oh, uh, Paige. elect Paige Ellis mm-hmm. in the eight, similar deal i mean you know they're both first time running in a, in a campaign and right. and and won you had to get through, get through runoffs but won and you weren't i would think either you traditional candidates and so just for, for advice for folks who are thinking about running who may not who think oh i don't have the connections i don't have i don't you know have no people in campaigns i don't know how to fundraise block walk and so on just what advice would you give for someone who has, even has the inkling of it um, whew, I'll try to keep it short. Uh, I'll say it's your mic. It's your mic, council member. So hello, you. <laughs> Mike. <laughs> it's me and you. Um, I, I'd start by saying this: the fact that people who don't have political clout or capital are able to run and resoundingly win, you know, says something about the voters. I think people who don't traditionally vote 
are turning out to vote and people who don't traditionally run are turning out to run. So there's certainly this paradigm shift that's happening um, across the country. I mean, and it's not just municipal government. We're just talking about civic engagement from a broader perspective. It's changing. Things are shifting and people are seeing themselves in the you know creation of change within policy. And so uh, the more that that changes, I think more people who inherently would not be inclined to run are going to do so. But I mean, just some quick points of advice, you know, utilize your, your, your best skills, you know, and for me, and I think for a lot of folks whose experience, you know, is, is, was similar to mine, we're gritty and we're resourceful. You will figure it out. Everything you need to figure out, block walking, fundraising, making connections, you'll figure that out. That's not the most important part. The most important part is that you move with integrity. The most important part is that you actually have some fun doing this. You should not be, if you're miserable when you do it, you're not supposed to be doing this. I can tell you that right now, you're going to burn out and that's not what your constituents need. They need a person who's going to be high energy and really excited about the possibility of creating change. Be yourself, you know, people like people. The more you try to pretend to be this, you know, refined, sophisticated politician with a monocle and a top hat it people see right through that you know know, that's you that's you right but like if that's you you. if that's you but if that's not you don't try to be that don't don't assume that there's only one way to be a politician you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and i'm hesitant to even call myself a politician truth be told i'm i'm a person i'm a mom i'm a wife i'm a you know concerned citizen but I'm in the political realm. I'm involved in politics now. And I think uh, I think far too often we discount the relevance of how our skills directly translate into being good at this. Mm-hmm. You know, the skills that I've acquired along the way as a small business professional, as a mother, as a person who's, you know, been a community advocate, they directly translate into being able to advocate for, on a broader scale, for the general Austin citizenry. Um, and maybe last but not least, be very careful how you move. Austin's still a small, big city. Mm-hmm. There's never any need to be nasty or disrespectful. You know, move with move with grace and, you know, attempt where possible to not disparage one another. Be civil. You know, build the bridges. Don't burn them. You know, even if, even beyond the, you know, political climate, the beyond the political campaign, if you truly care about this community, if you truly care about this city, chances are you're going to have to work with that person again, you know? Yeah, what you yeah. don't want to have done is burned a bridge along the way because you became so competitive. So be true to yourself. Use that grit. Have fun. Yeah, be yourself and build the bridges. Don't burn them. All right. Well, council member, we're looking forward to uh, seeing you in action in Janu- starting in January. And, uh, of course, we'll be back on the show as the year progresses. And we wish you all the success, you and your team. Thank you very much. I appreciate right. it, AJ. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to today's BG podcast. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com podcast and iTunes and Google Play. Subscribe to stay current on future posts.